Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. All right, people, we have the rest of the NFL slate. We talked about the London game. Uh, that episode's up for those of you who want to focus on that one. I don't expect scoring, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, uh, that total being in the 40s, I mean, it's tempting to try to bet the over because you know the Jags defense is not that good, but, man, the Broncos seem broken. Uh, what else? What else can you say? Anyway, let's talk about the one o'clock slate, and we got we got one p.m. Kirk Cousins hosting the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Vikings three and a half point favorites, forty eight and a half total. We have two of the best uh, receivers in the league. I mean, l- let's be honest. We've got Justin Jefferson versus DeAndre Hopkins. From a DFS standpoint, we can fit both DeAndre Hopkins. And Justin Jefferson in the same lineup, and it's not that hard. D Hop is seventy four hundred. Uh, you've got uh, Justin Jefferson at ninety one hundred. We've got a bunch of cheap quarterbacks. The cheap quarterbacks are going to determine this slate. If we get monster games from uh, from the uh, big wide receivers, all you need is the cheap quarterbacks to at least get you twelve points. That's how crazy this slate is in terms of the injury news we got between, and I and I and I use injury uh, with quotation marks. Ryan Tannehill could could have played today. Titans want to see what they got with Malik Willis. They want to see what they got with Malik Willis. The Colts definitely don't want to see Washed Ryan. Washed Ryan was so bad, and people thought I was being too mean with my commentary, but. The Colts knew uh, Matt Ryan was washed. They knew. That's why they they said they said uh, they said he was uh, uh, dealing with a shoulder injury. The shoulder injury is the fact that he can't play anymore. That's the shoulder injury. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. He can't throw with any velocity. He cannot be a starting NFL QB. That's the bottom line. So, with that being said, we had. To go with Sam Ellinger of Texas uh, fame uh, <laughs> or infamy, mainly because of how many big games uh, Ellinger never actually won in college, being the guy. Listen, I don't mean to say anything about this other than uh, we shall see if uh, Ellinger at 4K gets it done. He was the third string quarterback, that's why he's 4K on DraftKings. Um, but back to this, uh, Arizona, Minnesota game, you know, the Cardinals have been playing better. The Vikings off the bye, five and one. Uh, do we believe in the Vikings? No, we do not. If you're smart, you should not believe in the Vikings or Kirk Cousins, but it's a 1 PM game. It's Cliff Kingsbury whom you absolutely cannot trust. Uh, I think you're going to see a ton of points here. Uh, 
Arizona's defense can get treaded by second uh, by explosive wide receivers. Do I think they try to? Uh, do I think they try to uh, uh, throw like someone over the top on Justin Jefferson? Yes, but I think that's where you can get a little bit different with lineup construction by having a KJ Osborne or Irv Smith to tag along with Justin Jefferson because they should be getting the underneath work if they shift someone over the top. Not to mention, I think Dalvin Cook should be able to have uh, a decent day running the football against uh, this Arizona uh, front line. Uh, Like I said, 48.5 total, I think we can easily crack uh, 50 on this one. I like the over here. I think Minnesota wins. The three and a half is the part that scares me because I, I definitely can see a situation where we get a backdoor cover uh, from the Cardinals. But I like the points here. This is where I want to be concentrating a lot of effort on. Uh, we'll get into one of my other uh, favorite spots uh, t- uh, uh, this week, uh, too. But uh, we definitely have some uh, places to target in terms of... Uh, uh, offensive slates, and then use the cheap quarterback to sustain everything. Next up, we've got Carolina. <laughs> Man, Carolina and Atlanta in a battle of first place of the NFC South. I'm going to say that again. It is Carolina versus Atlanta for first place in the NFC South. First place in the NFC South is on the line. I, I want to say this again. First place in the NFC South is on the line. The Falcons are three and four. The Panthers are two and five. The winner gets first place in the NFC South. I, I just want that to sink in for you. The Buccaneers are so bad right now. This is going to decide first place in the NFC South. Let that sink in. Early, we have PJ Walker versus Marcus Mariota. For the division race in the South. Unbelievable. But I want to be clear here. In terms of the actual matchup itself, I think you have to kind of break this down in terms of what does Atlanta like to do? That's run the football. Versus what Carolina likes to do? Stop the football. If you think Atlanta can run the football, you play Atlanta. I think this is one of those weird games where Atlanta, they're favored by... They're favored by four. Carolina is not good. But this is one of those sneaky games where you can take the Panthers side if you want. But I would rather take the Panthers defense and DJ Moore than any pieces on Atlanta. Reason being is that DJ Moore is still going to be the focal point of the Panthers passing attack as limited as it may be. With the Falcons, they're not going to throw the ball. They're just going to try to pound the rock. And we saw, even when they were down three touchdowns to the Bengals for the majority of the game, they still just kept running the ball, even though it made no sense. So to me, the whole uh, argument is, do you try to finagle something with the Falcons at this point on offense? Um, Talar Algier, uh, not good. Uh they're going to try to uh, run with uh, Mariota. They're going to try to do some uh, misdirection plays. But they're not going to have a focal running back. So it kind of makes it a moot point to 
try to make Atlanta work. I mean, I think Drake London and Kyle Pitts are stuck in this terrible offensive system that Arthur Smith has designed, but it is what it is. Could there be points? Yes. But I choose not to go too crazy over this one. Um, You know, I'll be focused on uh, other items in terms of the uh, matchup, uh, more specifically on uh, just see how much uh, DJ Moore gets focused on, but uh, not going too uh, not going too crazy over the uh, uh, zoning in on this one. But uh, next up, we've got uh, Dallas and Chicago. <laughs> this is finally the day we've all been waiting for, where. Uh, you finally get the best running back on the Cowboys, that is Tony Pollard, finally getting the full workload without Zeke against a bad defense. This is more or less the breakout game we would be expecting from Tony Pollard for the last three years. A good matchup, full workload, no Zeke to worry about. Tony Pollard's getting over 100 yards. In terms of the props, I mean, his prop numbers are still too low uh, in terms of the overall rushing stats because he was basically being uh, presented as having, I want to say, uh, the the number was, uh, yeah, I, I just had it here. It was Pollard... Yeah, 79 and a half. Um, 77, a lot of places, 79 and a half um, was the high. I think this is easily 100 yards rushing uh, for Pollard uh, overall. I mean, and to be honest, I, I think, you know, really comes down to do you think the Cowboys have trouble containing Justin Fields? The reason why I'd say most likely not, they played Monday night. Long, uh, I mean, it was a stomp, but it was a long night uh, in Foxborough. I just think that uh, traveling to Dallas in the short week, this is just not a conducive situation in terms of being productive. I, I think this is more or less uh, they take care of business and move on. I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think you get that much uh, in in terms of play. So. To me, load up on Pollard, and then you can get different by playing uh, the Cowboys' defense. May even get some turnovers, maybe a touchdown. Um, you know, you never know with uh, the Bears. Just when they get desperate, uh, if you might get a pick six or something along those lines. With uh, the, the way the Cowboys' defense is willing to gamble, I just look at it from the standpoint of this is uh, a <laughs> premier matchup for Pollard. Uh, could you get uh, some passes uh, from Dallas uh, uh, to like throw the ball all over the place? Yeah, sure. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Pollard icing this game out, and they're going to win by two touchdowns. Uh, to me, the nine and a half number is still too uh, still doesn't cover enough. I don't think the Bears can score enough. I think Cowboys win by two touchdowns, and we just go from there. Next up, 
Vegas travels to New Orleans. This is this matchup should go Vegas. It should. But this also reminds me that I have no confidence in <laughs> the Raiders. So uh, th- this just kind of goes back and forth where uh, the Raiders find ways of losing games they have no business losing. West Coast team traveling to the 1 o'clock window. Do I, not, do I trust the Raiders? No. This is one of those where it kind of feels as though even though it's Andy Dalton, and believe me, I you heard me rant about Andy Dalton uh, <laughs> with a Thursday Night Football. Like the, that game was inexcusable. How he threw away the game against the Cardinals. It's it's not even it's not even justifiable how badly he he screwed that game up. Um, but that that's just it. It's it's we're we're to a point where. Jameis Winston can't play with the jacked up bat. Could you get uh could you get some work with Taysom? Yes, but Taysom still can't throw. So it's gonna be Andy Dalton still t- checking the ball. I think at the end of the day, the biggest question is do we get and I still don't know the true answer to this, do we get enough exposure to Alvin Kamara? And I think Alvin Kamara is getting traded. Uh, to the and the talk about him getting traded to the Eagles is very real. So to me, that's the scary part where we could have, and, and this is a very real scenario. We could have Alvin Kamara get traded and kind of get shut down the rest of the game. So I, I don't know if we can really feel confident about playing. Alvin Kamara this week. That that's my biggest concern. Now the other side of this equation is can the Raiders run on the Saints' defensive line? I honestly think they can, but you know, it, it could be a case where this becomes a David Carr game. And um, saying David Carr, and I mean Derek Carr, but you know what I mean, the the younger Carr brother. Uh, but it's. It's not a clean, clear-cut like decision. I, I think that there's some risk in this matchup that somebody's going to be able to exert their will. I just think that it's going to be on the... Uh, uh, I just think that the Raiders are going to win this, uh, to be perfectly honest. But the, the question is, just by, uh, you know, can they actually... Uh, do what they need to do in, 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 a, in a tight spot. I, I you know, it, it's something you can always be wary about. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, uh, that uh, the Raiders can stub their toe. Uh, moving on, we've got Pittsburgh and the Eagles. I mean, truth be told, I look at the Steelers and I always see myself that, you know, Mike Tomlin finds a way to keep his teams in games. I just don't see how the Steelers uh, don't get boat raced by the Eagles. AJ Brown and Devonta Smith should have field days against the secondary. This is a terrible matchup for the Steelers secondary. I like Jalen Hurts. The only question is, do the Eagles smash the Steelers so hard so early that the second half just becomes a matter of, the Eagles just running the ball with Miles Sanders because 
the game is so far out of reach, uh, why bother getting anyone hurt? Because the dumbest thing you you can do is just kind of leave your starters in there in the second half um, when the game result is pretty much decided and get them hurt. Like, no one wants to be that guy. So, to me, that's the only problem with the Eagles' side of the equation. They're going to win this game, and they're going to cover the minus uh, 11. Um, The only question is uh, just how significant uh, of of a coverage... uh, margin do they do they win this game by it because i just think it's pretty much clear cut but you know from my perspective this is uh almost a done deal and then we've got the jets and the pats uh here's the long and short of it i i don't think either one of these teams is good but i have way more questions about the jets because the issue is the Jets have been hiding Zach Wilson. Bill Belichick is going to put a spotlight on Zach Wilson. Either we get good Zach Wilson or we get the Zach Wilson that people were clamoring for Joe Flacco to still keep starting over Zach Wilson to begin with. So that's my biggest concern with this game. Uh, I don't want to play anyone really tied to this one. I don't think the Jets throw the ball enough. I don't trust the Jets running it because James Robinson, while he just got on the roster, and I think he's a better running back than Michael Carter, the Jets may still give the rock to Michael Carter uh, while they kind of work in uh, James Robinson, but James Robinson's the better running back. He just may not be able to get it to showcase it this week. Uh, And then on the New England side, you know, (laughs) Mac Jones got benched for Bailey Zappi. That tells you how low... Uh, Bill uh, Belichick is on the uh, Mac Jones train at this moment. It The train has gotten derailed. Um, can they get back on track? Sure. I just don't think this is the week because I think the Jets' defense is solid enough uh, to make New England pay if they get too aggressive uh, trying to throw the ball. So I think it's going to be a ton of Ramondre Stevenson and not much else in terms of uh, offensive options uh, coming out of this game. I, I, you know, even Garrett Wilson, I think, is a high risk, uh, not so high reward um, play here because, uh, you know, I think New England just kind of bottles him up too. I, I don't really like anyone in this game other than maybe you consider defenses. The uh, Pats are 3K uh, versus 2,900 for the Jets, and I think they both uh, should do uh, relatively well, all things considered. Finally, we get to the spot I want to target in the uh, early session, which is Miami traveling to Detroit to play the Lions. This is the Tua show, for all intents and purposes. I think Tua, you know, he's come off of the concussion protocols. He's got a terrible defense. Waddle and... Yeah, I mean, Waddle and Tyree Kill should have a field day. Um, from the early window, I think this is the game to target. I think basically everyone named Tua, Waddle, Hill, Mostert, they're all viable. Gesicki, and on the Detroit side, you you run it back with Amon Ross St. Brown or Hawkinson. I think you're in pretty good shape, all things considered. 
because Detroit should be able to move the ball against this Dolphins secondary. The question is, can golf uh, do anything to put the Lions in a position to win the game? I doubt it, but I think it's enough where it's a catch-up script where there's going to be garbage time points to be had. So definitely like being Dolphins heavy, but running it back with some Detroit pieces. I think the Dolphins win by a touchdown, cover easily in in terms of this game. But um, it it is something to uh, uh, consider worthwhile in terms of uh, teasers to bear in mind. So interesting overall. But the um, the piece that I, I kind of look at the most is just from a standpoint of if we can get into a better place with uh, some of these uh, matchups, I, I think we, we can definitely um, um, make it a little bit more advantageous uh, to our benefit if we focus on this Miami matchup. And then in the afternoon window, I could talk about uh, the cheap quarterbacks that we have available for plug and play. So we're going to take a quick break, uh, come back with uh, the afternoon windows and uh, yeah, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. The fantasy throwdown podcast. will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, let's talk about the afternoon slate. So basically what we've got on our hands here is the quarterback situation. As I alluded to before, Ryan Tannehill could have played today, uh, but the Titans want to see what Malik Willis can do. They know the Texans aren't very good. They know Derrick Henry owns the Texans. Here's where I'm thinking. Malik Willis is 5K on DraftKings. You can't play him on FanDuel. But DraftKings, there's still the chance that with the Texans trying to shut down uh, Derrick Henry, if the Titans are willing to run more of a Wildcat-type offense with Malik Willis and allow him to have running room, there's a chance Malik Willis could run for 100 yards today. Now, could it just be Derrick Henry just jamming it up? on the Texans yet again and running for 150 plus yards? Oh, absolutely. But the way I would build this is more for uh, naked uh, Malik Willis on a pass-catching standpoint, and then you play Willis and Henry together. That way you have the two primary ball rushers on the Titans offense that should dominate the Texans. That's where I would kind of build saving money. And I think it works better for afternoon only, but it's just a thought process in terms of getting a little bit different from the rest of the field. I don't think anyone's going to build Willis with Henry together, and there's a reason. They're negatively correlated. But when you know that the Titans are already limited passing-wise with Tannehill playing, they're definitely not going to be chucking the ball that much with Willis. So I think they're going to run more of a wildcat offense and it's going to be concentrated towards Willis and Henry running the ball. So to me, I like Willis to get anywhere from 55 to 60 yards rushing, which, truth be told, actually works out pretty well in terms of 
Uh, prop scoring, not so much for fantasy scoring on DraftKings. You need him to get in the end zone and get double digits, in my opinion. I don't think he can run. Uh, I don't think he's going to. Uh, it's a lock by any means that he gets 100 yards. But I do think there's a way Ter- Derrick Henry fails and Willis gets there with over 100 yards and you still make out if you play both of them. I just think that the offense is going to be 95% centered around those two players. Nobody else on the te- Titans actually makes any sense. On the Texan side, I, you know, I think Davis Mills is still not an NFL QB. It's been looking more and more likely that they're going to trade Brandon Cooks. They haven't been involving him in the offense. Damian Pierce, while very good, I don't think this is necessarily a great matchup for him. I think the Titans match up pretty well with the Texans defensively. So that's my biggest concern about this afternoon uh, game is I'm only really playing two guys from this game. It's the quarterback and the running back on the same team, which almost never works out. But this is the rare instance where I think it could because you know that they're just going to run the ball with one of those guys. So, yeah, it's negatively correlated. But when they're doing the line charity offense, and I'm, as I said, I think they're going to be making up 95% of the offense in terms of total yardage. I think it makes sense here. Because this game plays quickly. I think it's over pretty uh, pretty early. It's a 4 o'clock game. Um, it's the only 4 or 5 game, actually. But I still think, you know, truth be told, it's going to be nothing home to write about. But from a uh, differential standpoint, I think Malik Willis gets you a little bit different. Um, and you pair him with Henry. That's it. I want to run Malik well, it's naked because then you're banking on Malik Willis actually throwing the ball, and I don't think that's happening. I think it's him or Henry or nothing for the Titans, and that's just the way it's going to uh, play out, in my opinion. Next up, we've got the Giants and Seattle. Interesting matchup here because I really like the Giants, and this is going to be the good barometer for if the Giants are actually good, and I don't think they are, because if they were good, I would expect this line to be flipping to even money. Even Vegas still thinks the Giants' offensive line isn't good enough to beat the Seattle defensive line, and that's all this game comes down to. Can Saquon Barkley run for 150 yards against this Seattle defense? If he runs for 150 yards, the Giants are winning this game. I don't think Seattle is putting up 27 points on the Giants' defense with Geno Smith chucking the ball 30-plus times. Maybe they proved me wrong, but I think the Giants' uh, run defense kind of slows down Kenneth Walker. I think it it forces Geno to have to throw the ball more than they're accustomed to. I don't believe Geno Smith beats the Giants' defense. I think the Giants' offense can beat the Giants' defense. And by beat the Giants' defense, I mean turn the ball over, or just not produce anything on offense. If the Giants can't run the football, Giants are going to lose this game. That's really what it comes down to. I think the Giants should be able to run on the Seattle defensive line, but if they can't run on the defensive line, it basically confirms everything I've said about this Giants team, that uh, the talent level on this team isn't good enough for them to be considered good, but they play hard enough that, they rely on other teams' screw-ups to win games. 
And that's the bottom line. I, I think, you know, people get caught up in the notion that because the team's winning games, it means that they're good. I think it's more of a reflection of how poor the coaching job is in terms of a general breakdown. So to me, I, I think, uh, I don't think this is the one uh, to go with here. I I just think that, um, I just think that this is a pretty straightforward um, matchup. It, it, and you'll be able to kind of tell by the first half, like how this is going to play out. But, the Giants should be able to run on Seattle. If they can't, they're going to lose this game. That that's just pretty much, um, pretty much how this is going to go. Um, but uh, this is a uh, this is uh this is the matchup. I, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, I don't want to be too cavalier about it, but I, I think this is one of the more straightforward games to go. I don't think I have it right by any stretch, but. If Saquon can't run the ball against Seattle, Giants are going to lose this game, and probably lose handily um, because I don't. I still don't think Dan Jones can throw on pretty much most NFL defenses as weak as Seattle is. I still don't think it, this is a good matchup uh, for Daniel Jones. Uh, so to me, this kind of comes down to can Jones scramble. And can Saquon run efficiently? If those things happen, the Giants win this game easily. If they can't run efficiently, Seattle's going to roll easily. I don't think this is like a back and forth, like tight matchup. I, I think it kind of comes down to who enforces their will, and eventually, uh, once the team does, they they pull away um, by the fourth quarter, and it's pretty decisive. I just, you know. I just think it should be the Giants, but I get why uh, the Seattle side works. When I initially saw the line, I really thought this was a poor pricing job. But the more I started thinking about it, yeah, I can see it. If if you don't think the Giants can actually run efficiently on Seattle, and if you look at the props on Saquon, it kind of tells you that they have concerns about Saquon running against Seattle. The prop is 84 and a half, and yes... I know some of you are thinking that's a really high prop, but when you consider the fact that Seattle has given up over 149 yards per game on the ground, it's not that high. It, let's just be honest. It, it, that number should be higher. That's what has me a, a bit concerned about uh, the game is the fact that the prop, truth be told, should be higher. It's not higher, which is what has me, uh, which is what's giving me pause here in general. So I, I just kind of look at this as a, a concern because this could go sideways. And, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it, it should be a good barometer test, but uh, this can go sideways. Next up, Sam Mellinger starting for Washed Ryan, the Colts. Hosting the Commanders with Taylor Heineke. Um, this is one of the ugliest games of the day. I really don't want to target any one, but someone is supposed to win. Uh, so you basically take the Commander's side, unless you honestly think the Commanders are going to completely and utterly implode. Uh, 
there's just no way of um, there's no way of uh, handling it otherwise. I think it's just I don't think the Colts are going to be any much different under Ellinger than they were under Ryan. The issue is Ellinger is not that much better than Ryan. That I think the the concern is. You know, if the Colts can't block, Jonathan Taylor still can't do much. I still think that the, uh, I, I, I think the most likely scenario is that Nick Foles, at some point, um, it becomes a starter in about, like, two to three weeks. So I think we got a few more uh, games like this where I'm still not sold what the Colts do. The only reason why Sam Ellinger is even remotely relevant uh, from a DFS standpoint, is because he is so cheap that at 4K, I still think he hits double digits. It's just not that much in terms of figuring out how uh, you make the most out of this. Uh, it, it's it's just there's just no way of getting around it. So I don't think you can. Uh, I don't think you can like uh, sugarcoat this. I, I think this is probably the easiest game to avoid of the day. But people are going to play Ellinger, and then they're going to try to play some pass catchers. And I think it's just you can play Ellinger, and you only play one dude. If you think it's going to be Michael Pittman, you play Michael Pittman. If you think it's going to be Parrish Campbell, you play Parrish Campbell. If you want to get contrarian, you can play Alec Pierce, but I think Alec Pierce is a distant third I don't trust any of the Colts' tight ends. They got three of them. Uh, it just doesn't... This whole matchup seems wrong. Meanwhile, when you look at the uh, Washington side, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin are basically stealing catches from each other. So it brings down McLaurin. It raises up Samuel. But now uh, Samuel's been getting priced up. So it just it doesn't really work. So I I don't see much of anything that uh, gets this. Uh, I don't think see much of anything that that, that gets this even remotely uh, in a good spot. So I don't think the Washington side's very appealing. Um, you've got also got Antonio Gibson starting to get back touches in the running game because Brian Robinson's been. Pretty average at best. I, I don't, I don't know what else you do here. Uh, it's just uh, very, very lackluster in terms of this matchup. I, I don't think there's much of anything else to discuss. Uh, just because I don't think it'll be, have any bearing on this slate. Um, and then finally, uh, we will t- uh, see about the Rams and 49ers. The Rams are injured, they're banged up, and the 49ers just added Christian McCaffrey. Where do you think I'm going with this matchup? If the 49ers can't beat the Rams, which they've been consistently beating them at, I don't know what you do with Jimmy G. Uh, because this one is the most straightforward. Uh, the 49ers are favored by a point and a half. I think the 49ers probably win this game by 10, uh, t- to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, you still don't have a run game for the Rams when they're predicated on the run game. K 
Cam Akers is MIA in a wall. Henderson is not a starting NFL running back, which is not, which is what my whole argument has been the entire time. I, I think the Rams need to figure out a way of getting Cam Akers playing. I I, I don't know what else they do because they tried to trade for Christian McCaffrey and couldn't get it done. Now they're stuck. It's like maybe they should have concentrated on getting James Robinson instead of uh, focusing all their efforts on Christian McCaffrey because Melvin Gordon isn't enough to get the Rams to a better spot. Um, that's my thoughts. It's like the Rams need to make a trade for a running back, but I don't think there are any running backs left that are going to truly help the Rams given what they were already dealing with um, in terms of their lack of speed at wide receiver. Apparently, Van Jefferson is coming back um, today. Uh, we shall see, but I don't really like much on the Ram side. And then on the uh, 49ers side, this is just McCaffrey all day. Uh, the only question is, how much work does McCaffrey still get? So, um, you know, you got Saquon in a great spot. You got um, Henry in a great spot. You know how much I say Pollard is the easiest play on the slate. Uh, you've got Foreman who should get uh, a decent run today. You got Jacobs who could get run. I think Kamara is high risk, but he should get. Uh, he could get a ton of work. I I don't think so, but I I think Kamara could get work if the teams were trying to showcase. If the team was trying to showcase him off, I I think he's Alvin Kamara. You already know who he is. But that's the only thing with McCaffrey. McCaffrey's going to be the miss the the odd man guy not getting much focus and he he has a huge ceiling because of his uh, pass catching potential as well uh, with Jimmy G just jump, dumping the ball off to him. Um, the question is, you know, the Rams defense could slow him up enough where at his price tag, he's more expensive than Saquon, more expensive than Henry. It could just be the fact that, you know, it's just not enough, and with so much cheap value on the slate, I, I don't know if McCaffrey makes the most sense, but without Debo, who else are they going to feature? It's going to be Ayuk and McCaffrey, and that's pretty much all I'm focusing on. Uh, the Kittle, Kittle could get there, but I think Kittle makes more sense in uh, where we were in previous weeks before McCaffrey got there. I think McCaffrey there... Um, they don't need to focus on Kittle pass catching. They just need the Kittle to block, and Kittle's more than happy to do that. So, to me, it's McCaffrey and Ayuk in that order, and we kind of go from there. But I'm not putting priority on them just because I think there's so many other options to go. Um, the price points on both Ayuk and uh, McCaffrey I don't think are necessarily conducive uh, to winning a slate. But, you know, uh, stranger things have happened. So, Sunday Night Football, uh, Bills <laughs> hosting Green Bay. Uh, this is Bills all day. Um, from a showdown standpoint, it just depends on um, which pass catcher you pair up with uh, Josh Allen or if Stefan Diggs just nukes the slate. Um, I don't think you can play anyone on Green Bay in the captain. I think it's a terrible idea. Um uh, the Green Bay should be playing from behind. That's why I don't necessarily like Aaron Jones. 
if Aaron Jones has a big day, that means Green Bay is almost accepting giving up. I, I just think Buffalo's offense just marches uh, up and down most of the day. So I, I think it's pretty much uh, a straightforward match there. Um, but uh, the ten and a half, I mean, unless it's a late backdoor cover, I, I don't see how the Bills don't cover that. I, I think it's a it's a terrible matchup. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think there's much else to say about it. I, I think this is a pretty clear cut. And then Monday night football, uh, we'll probably get to a showdown show on that, but, um, Bengals, uh, two and a half point favorites over Cleveland. I think this line, um, even though they're on the road, uh, I think this line could have easily been five and a half and I still take the Bengals side of it. I don't see where Cleveland matches up well. Unless Amari Cooper uh, has a monster game. I, I think it just comes down to, does Amari Cooper ball out on Monday Night Football? And who knows? Because uh, I, I think Jacoby Brissett does a solid enough job, but I don't think Jacoby Brissett is going to get you 300 yards passing. And I think that's the only way the the, the Browns win, uh, win that game um, tomorrow. So... That's all I got for now, but uh, uh, let me go on, get on out of here. Uh, we've got uh, uh, the Lund game kicking off, uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, more to come, but uh, enjoy the games, and uh, until next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too. Like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa Credit Cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit score safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.